Good evening and welcome to Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. Thank you for tuning in despite my long hiatus. I also want to thank everyone for reaching out with kind words, thoughts, and prayers over the past two weeks. For those that don't know, I lost my little brother recently. Words I never thought I would utter. It's been a very tough time for not only me, but my entire family, so I truly appreciate all the support you guys have given me and for the patience that you've shown over the past few weeks. My brother, Cohen, was a big fan of the paranormal. He was a huge part of my interest in this field growing up. He often accompanied me on many outings in my hometown, visiting potentially haunted locations and searching the darkest parts of our farm in search of the infamous black cat we saw many years ago. So tonight, I dedicate this show in his memory. I don't think he ever listened to the show, but wherever he is tonight, I hope he's tuning in. The last thing I will say before we get this episode rolling is this. If you or someone you know is struggling with depression or entertaining suicidal thoughts, please call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at one 800 273-8255 You never know when one call will change everything. And now, on to a less somber topic. Our first call of the evening is one that touches on an earlier story told by Katie back on episode 2 of season 4. For those that either didn't hear the call or simply don't remember, Katie detailed an encounter with a strange animal while legend tripping in her home state of Illinois. The following is Bee's Call from New York. Hey, this is Bee. I actually messaged you some time ago about recording and sending you something for better quality, but some stuff happened in my life. Things have been busy. The point is, I was listening to this previous week's episode with a friend of mine who used to date me, um, but we're still really good friends, and there was a part where we just kind of both stopped talking, and she just stared at me wide-eyed, and this woman was telling a story about seeing a creature, um, you know, scampering through a graveyard, and at first I didn't really put it together. We'd been listening for a while, but talking to And I realized when she started talking about the night terrors, like why 
uh, this girl was so surprised and looking at me the way that she was. When I was 13 years old-ish, 13 or 14, I was dating like my first girlfriend at the time. And our families were good friends, so sometimes she'd come stay the night and stay in my sister's room over the weekend, because they lived about 45 minutes away. We were standing by the window one night, and I lived near the Adirondack Mountains in New York, and we were just looking out, and I can't remember which one of us saw it first, but we both saw it. There's something in the corner of the yard. Now, I had a massive yard, you know, it's literally almost the size of a football field. So it was kind of far away at first, you know. Then it came to the edge of the tall grass where the short grass was trimmed down, which was a lot closer to the, the house. We, we didn't see it move, but suddenly it was kind of just there. But we had been talking. We thought it was an albino deer. They happened. So this thing runs across the perimeter of the short grass in the yard, in the long grass, so fast. And it kind of seemed to be going in and out of the grass. And it occurs to me now, and I'm mean, I, I'm not sure if it ever did before that it could have been going down on all fours to run, but it was certainly standing at one point. Anyway, um, this freaked me out to date. It's the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. Just the way the thing moved seemed unnatural. It didn't make sense to my eyes. I, growing up in the mountains, encountered a lot of animals in the woods, bears, bobcats, everything you can think of, koi dogs, wolves. And every, all those things I understood, you know, they're, they're wild animals, their behaviors are somewhat easy to predict. Most will run away from you. This felt wrong to look at. It was strange. But what really got my attention was when she started talking about night terrors. Because one of the first things that I uh, told this girl when we started dating is like, listen, sometimes I wake up very excited or freaked out. And when I was younger, and it started not too long after I saw this thing, and I never really put the two together. And I'm still not sure that they belong together, but here I am calling you. They, uh, I started having these, these horrible, horrible dreams about, and it's the same dream almost every time, but the people in it change. I wake up in the dream, I start my day, someone that I love dies. I wake up again, I think that I'm awake, I think what a bad dream. Start the day, someone else that I love dies. Sometimes it's the same person over and over again. It's it's not consistent in that way. But it is consistent in that it's like a time loop, like some weird Groundhog Day sort of situation. And by the time I actually wake up, I'm so disoriented and freaked out that I, I kind of really don't know where I am for a couple seconds. Uh, I think we all know that feeling, waking up and just being like, well, it feels like you're not even in your own room, but you are. This lasts a little longer with this, but at some point I started talking to some people and um, I kind of worked out a way to like just not really black out my dreams because I still have them, I'm sure, but I don't really remember them distinctly. And um, I still have them from time to time. Um, and it's weird that she should mention the bad luck thing too because I have had an interesting life, I can assure you, but um, those details aren't for public consumption though <laughs> anyway um i know this isn't a long story but that that freaked me out <laughs> i've um I've, i had planned on calling in with this story like i said derek i sent you a message some time ago saying i wanted to record it and um i planned on calling in this story i'd even told this girl about that 
And she told me right there, she's like, you have to call it in now. And um, I'm not a big believer in the paranormal stuff. It, it, it's fascinating to me, but I usually have to have some sort of empirical evidence before I make my mind up on anything. That being said, the phenomenon is interesting to listen to. That's part of the reason I like this show is because I get the, uh, the stories straight from people's mouths, and which makes it a lot easier for me to judge on whether or not I find the stories to be credible because there are stories that have been called in here where I've just gone, nope. <laughs> but back to this preacher thing. I, too, kind of became obsessed with it when I was younger, and I, you know, I knew what skinwalkers were because there were Native Americans near where I grew up, the Aquasosni tribe. Um, I know it's not an Aquasosni legend, but um, as far as I know, but, uh, you know, you, people, kids talk, they make up stories, you know, so the skinwalkers thing had come up when I was younger, and I never really associated it with that. Um, I never really knew what it was. I thought maybe I'd seen some sort of cat that was had mange or something that they could just stand up tall like some bobcats and cougars can kind of come up on their hind legs for a minute i thought it'd been a trick of the mind or that's what i kept telling myself but um you know i i talked to the girl who saw it with me in later years and she said it had always messed with her too uh i do not know if she had nightmares i didn't speak to her about anything like that i don't really talk about the nightmare stuff with many people um, it's kind of weird, but the point is I've never, ever heard anyone else say this story. And I was in St. Lawrence County and must've been 1998, 99. I think it was after the last large ice storm of the nineties that I saw it. So, um, so it may have been the summer of 98, but this is up, I mean, a stone's throw from, you know, Ottawa, um, or just a couple hours from Montreal. It's very, very far North of New York. So, I mean, I'm thousands of miles away from Colorado and, you know, hundreds, or maybe not thousands, but hundreds of miles away from Colorado and Illinois um, where the other two people who had seen this thing had, had seen them. So um, I am now re-disturbed by the entire situation. I kind of, you know, hadn't really relived it too often. But, uh, yeah, uh, it's kind of ironic that that girl at the beginning of the recording was hoping she would hear more because that's the same reason I was going to call in because this is a thing that I've not found any documentation for. So if any of the listeners have heard something, like, please, by all means, um, post them to the Monsters Among Us page or something like that. I'm not going to give out my personal email, no offense, but, uh, yeah, I didn't give out my name either. So, um, all right, well, thank you very much, Derek. Keep up the good work with your show. Uh, I know it's fun. Uh, you must have a blast listening to these. Anyway, uh, have a nice night. And uh, lady from now in Colorado, if you have any ever have any more details, please post them to the page because this thing has been in my head my entire life. So thank you. Thank you, B, for taking the time to call in. I always find it very special when two callers, hundreds of miles apart, and whom seemingly don't know one another, can have such similar encounters, and that seems to be the case with B and Katie's experiences. There's not much that I can say that I didn't already cover with Katie's call, but there is one detail that B mentioned that made me think of the strange reports of phantom kangaroos, which were reported roaming the wilderness of Illinois, Ohio, Wisconsin, and even New York. Another strange connection that I made was that the creature... 
B described didn't sound all that dissimilar from the infamous Jersey Devil of the New Jersey Pine Barrens. We will discuss more on that creature in a future episode. Thank you again, B, for taking the time to share. I'll certainly keep an eye out for similar accounts that may funnel their way in. Our next story also focuses on a past call. If you remember back to episode 4 of this season, caller Scott called in to share an experience with a chimp-like creature in his bedroom. The week following that call, I read an email by listener Jenny, whom suggested that a visitor, either alien or of some other mysterious origin, simply uses familiar images to ease the nerves of whomever they are visiting. Well, the following story comes to us from friend of the show and talented musician Colby of Captain Catfish fame. Here is his encounter from the state of West Virginia. Hey Derek, this is uh, Colby uh, calling you back again. Hope you had a fantastic time at the Mothman Festival. Uh, at this point I couldn't make it, but it looked like you had a blast. So uh, I'm just strolling, you know, from... Uh, from my work across the street here to get lunch and I was listening to uh, uh, Jenny's email um, about the, the chimpanzee um, issue from you know a couple podcasts ago and yeah that kind of hit home um, so the other story that I was going to call you back about uh, I guess I can't hold, you know, hold, hold out any longer um, uh, I was like 8 years old uh, parents just got divorced um, you know, didn't really like sleeping in my bedroom by myself. I was, was kind of a wiener. Um, but basically, you know, I'd, I'd see things in, in my room. Uh, I guess you would call that your typical shadow people, just stuff moving across the room and, and whatnot. And I would convince myself that it was, you know, nothing, and I would fall asleep, uh, except for this one time. Uh, the creature being entity, uh, super black. Um, I couldn't see a face, but it was moving across my bedroom um from the uh from the door and it got to my bed and then i look you know i kind of like hide my, my my head under the covers and i look back and this thing is uh it's kneeling down in front of my bed and putting its hands on my bed and i could feel my bed sinking like my, my feet sinking with you know the impression that, that was being made um and then it kind of disappeared and then i looked back after like putting my head under the covers again and as it rose back up from my feet, um, the best thing I can describe it as, you know, our interpretation of our Western and uh, Jesus Christ, you know, the rock star Jesus, long hair. Um, it was, I mean, it was Jesus from, you know, from me growing up in, in the Appalachian region, all the pictures you see on the walls. It was Jesus Christ. Um, I don't know what that is, but that's what I saw, like poking his head up above my bed. I don't know if the, if the creature was trying to give me an uh, an image that I wouldn't think was frightening. Turns out, I'm extremely frightened of anything in my bedroom that shouldn't be there. Um, I've kind of been a little freaked out by, you know, the images of Jesus from that point on. Not to sound sacrilegious, it's not about that. It's just literally, that's what was creeping me out of my bedroom when I was eight years old. Um, so yeah, that's that story. Uh, I just heard that, and it struck a light bulb and I couldn't hold off calling any longer. Hope you like it and I'll talk to you soon, buddy. Thanks. Thank you, sir. I think Jenny's suggestion really hits home with this story. If I were, let's say, an alien, 
and I'm visiting a young kid's room for whatever reason, and I could look like anyone in the world, who would I pick? Well, the obvious answer here would be the child's parents. I feel like that would be the safest bet, but a close second would be a trusted religious figure, such as Jesus Christ, or a beloved cartoon monkey. This got me thinking of other reports of odd beings entering children's bedrooms, and I remembered the following story from alleged alien abductee, Mike Davis. Hello, I am Michael Davis, and I am an alien abductee and or experiencer or contactee. I have been taken all of my life, beginning at age four and a half, with that's the earliest memories that I have, and it has gone on all of my life. I have one experience after the other. This particular experience happened in 1965. I was about five years old, and my brother was two years, nine months older than me, so that makes him whatever it is, seven, seven and a half years old. Uh, my parents had a cabin up at the river. Well, we lived in Marin County, Lucas Valley, and our cabin up at the river in Monterey, California, was a summer place, and we used to spend most of our summer up there. Well, in this cabin, um, it was in the woods, first of all, but in this cabin had a long sleeping porch in the back, and on either end of the sleeping porch were French doors, which opened up to the outside. On our side, where our bunk bed was, was the French doors that opened up to a deck outside. And this is an image of what the deck looked like outside, where the French doors opened up to. My brother and I, like I said, slept in bunk beds. He was in the top bunk. I was in the bottom bunk. We wake up one morning, he goes to the kitchen table, which is a little alcove where him and I ate while the older kids ate at a larger table in the kitchen. While my mom was serving breakfast, my brother said he saw something very strange last night. And she goes, what did you see? He says there was a man on the deck staring in through the French doors or through the window panes at us while we slept. And she goes, what man? He goes, I don't know, some man. She goes, what did he look like? And he was, he was really short, very, very short, and he had a face like an owl. She was a face like an owl. And he goes, yeah, an owl. And she says, oh, you were seeing things, Rich. And he goes, I wasn't seeing anything. He says, I'm telling you, there was a little short man out there, and he had a face of an owl. My mom kind of brushed it off like he's got something going on, and she's like, you know, I, I think you probably were seeing things. Why don't you just eat your breakfast? And she had a really bewildered look on her face when she said this, but she walked away and sat at the table with the older kids and ate their breakfast while we continued to eat. And when I think back on this, what my brother was probably seeing was an alien at the window looking in at us. And I'm not even sure that I was in the bed because I've been taken so many times in my life. I could have been just being returned or they're coming to get me. And my brother didn't even realize what was going on because I was in the bottom bunk. And the bottom line is he had no way of explaining what it is he saw. So he didn't know how to explain an alien face at that time back in 1965. So the only way he could compare it would be to the face of an owl. And there are a lot of similarities to alien beings and owls. So he was seeing something and he did share other experiences with me in his life. So he's had some weird occurrences too. So I, I'm pretty sure that he was actually seeing an alien out there, and uh, who knows? Like I said, I have a funny feeling I probably was taken at that particular time because I've been taken so many other times, why not then? But I wanted to share this experience because I thought it was really relevant, and I just thinking about the face, how, how a young boy could compare it to an owl, just very intriguing to me because you'll notice it very much looks like an owl, uh, and, but 
It was an alien face, I'm sure of it. I mean, owls don't have a body of a man. That story isn't exactly the same as what Colby and Scott described, but I thought it was too interesting not to share. You can find a link to the video, which shows actual photographs of the cabin in the show notes for this episode. Thanks again, Colby. Before we launch into the next call, I want to give this a shot. Some of you may remember last year's Halloween special. For that episode, I asked that listeners call in with their favorite fictional campfire stories. I think that episode went over pretty well, and I would like to give it another shot. I intended on making this announcement a few weeks ago, but circumstances being as they were, I wasn't able to put out an episode. So I'm going to try this. If I don't get enough calls, I'll just do a regular episode, but I'm hoping enough of you out there have a favorite ghost or campfire story to put this together. So simply call the hotline at 1-888-608-6444 and mention that this entry is for the Halloween special and leave your best story. Stories can also be emailed or even submitted through the website. Thank you all in advance, and now, back to the show. Our next call comes to us anonymously from the state of Ohio. Here is that call. Hello, um, I am calling. I'm a new listener, so I'm not all the way through the podcast yet. And um, I'm about halfway through, and I haven't heard you talk about anything about sleep paralysis. And so I live in Ohio, and I lived um, in a house uh, by myself, two bedrooms. And one winter, um, the house was haunted. Um, the woman who lived there previously died, and she I knew her personally. Um, she was a nice old lady. She would, um, all she did was she would like, she would open cabinets in the kitchen and she would like open a fork drawer and close it and open it back up and she would walk through the hallway. And I just had my cats and my cats always slept with me at night. So you could hear her just doing stuff in the middle of the night. Anyway, so one night, um, I, wake up dead in the night. Um, it was like probably three in the morning in the middle of winter. So it was really cold. Um, and the windows in my bedroom were very high up. So they were like at the top, like the top few inches. So you couldn't really see out the windows unless you stood on anything. And um, so we were just, um, I was laying there after I'd woken up and I couldn't move. Uh, but I hear these loud ducks uh, coming down the hallway. And they were much louder than Mary, the previous woman who lived there, um, used to walk. They were like stomped down the hallway. Um, and so my bedroom door swings open and I can't move. I am just laying there. I can't move. I feel like something's just pressing on me the door opens, but the door just opens wide open. My cats are both in bed with me, and they start hissing and, like, like clawing at the air and just, like, going crazy. And I just, I can't do anything. I can't move. I can't do anything. And I just feel like something is just sitting on my chest, and I can't breathe. And it's one of the scarier things that I have experienced. Um, 
But anyways, so after a few hours of that terrible feeling, um, it finally went away and I finally could move and like breathe, which were all deep breaths. And um, it just like, it was just so weird. My cats were acting normal again. I was wide awake, so I was walking around the house after I could move and like frantic and I just got in my car and, and um, I had, I picked up one of my friends and they stayed the night. But um, one of the things that happened before I fell asleep was um, I felt like somebody was watching me. Like somebody was looking through my windows and watching me, but it was so dark that you couldn't really see anything. And so the house is a whole fenced in yard and um, whenever I woke up in the morning, I went outside, and there were footprints all around my house. Um, so I'm not entirely sure what happened, but it was it was snow. There was snow, so I could see the footprints. But um, I just thought that it was really weird, and it was very scary, and it was probably one of the most terrifying things that I've experienced. Um, I have a few more stories, so I'll probably call back, but um, love your show. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, caller. As you listened to that call, you might have picked up on some strange interference coming through. In the nearly two years that I've been producing this show, I have received hundreds of calls. Sometimes the quality is bad. Some have been so bad that I can't even share the story on the air. But I've never experienced the strange sounds that I did with this call. It's almost as if the caller's ghost, Mary, didn't want the story to be shared. Of course, that's pure speculation. It's more likely just a faulty connection. However, the creepiest part of this call, for me, is the discovery of footprints after an evening of feeling watched. I think that pulls us right out of the territory of paranormal and launches us directly into a more horrifying scenario. I believe I would make a call to my local police station if I ever had an experience similar to that one. Thank you again for sharing. I hope your windows forever stay creeper-free. And finally, our last call of the evening. The following story speaks of a potential mirrored men encounter and comes to us from caller Ray in the city of Chicago. Hello. I... First, want to thank Zangless Podcast for sending me in your direction. Uh, I have two stories about the mirrored men. I thought I was just seeing things, but now it makes sense. They both take place in the Chicagoland area. Uh, the first story is actually from my sister. This was at least a decade ago. She was sleeping in her room, which is directly above mine, and it was about. 1 a.m. when she suddenly woke up. She said that at the edge of her bed were these three figures all just sitting there watching her. She described them as being like monks, probably just meaning they were cloaked. Um, Anyway, she said they sat there watching her for five minutes and they turned all together and slowly walked down the hall into my other sister's room my other sister hasn't said anything about seeing anything my mom and other siblings 
I just told her she was dreaming. My second story happened on Thanksgiving Day, like seven years ago, uh, at my aunt's house. Um, I was babysitting my cousin, who was less than a year old. Everyone older than 21 had gone out drinking, and my siblings were driving home from my mom's. My job was easy. Uh, The TV and computer were in the room next to the baby, and the baby was sleeping for the night. Uh, But the kitchen was up a few stairs. It snowed a lot that November, so only the patio uh, in the backyard was shoveled. Uh, So I went to the kitchen for soda or water or whatever, and I looked out the window and didn't really see anything since it was like 11 p.m. Uh, And the light out there was motion censored. So uh, I go back to the room with the TV and computer and I see through the blinds that the light went on. Uh, So I looked and almost maybe 15 feet away I see these three shadowy figures and they seemed to notice me looking because they they turned in in my direction and where their eyes should have been was blank and their mouths were faster than their faces uh, when it came to turning I did the good old-fashioned you know rubbing rubbing the eyes thing but uh, it didn't go away I guess they thought I was a threat because they turned back in the direction they were heading and kept walking. Now, the weird thing was that they almost floated above the snow. There were no footprints. And they literally went through the gate, which was a thick wooden gate. This was the first time I mentioned it to anybody because I didn't think it was real. Anyway, um, I love your podcast, and thank you for helping others like me feel like our stories are real. Thank you, Ray, for sharing your stories, and, and a big thank you to Zeng This Podcast for sending him over. I honestly get excited whenever a new Mirrored Man encounter is submitted. I know I've said this before, but I always think that each one I receive is the last one I will ever get. And lo and behold, another one slides in there. Now, as for Ray's encounter, I'm struggling with calling these true Mirrored Men encounters for the following reasons. First, his sister experienced them inside her bedroom. Typically, now when I say typically, I'm referring to the half dozen stories I've received on this topic, so... There certainly are no written rules to this phenomenon. But typically, the mirrored men are sighted outside, often in remote areas where no one should be, especially three men with identical movements. Which leads me to my second reason. At no point were the beings described as mirroring one another, which is a key attribute to the mirrored men phenomenon. So, taking these points into account, I'm tempted to say that what Ray and his sister experienced was not mirrored men, but rather some other sort of terrifying entity. Then again, I'm far from an expert on any of this stuff, so take my opinion with a large grain of salt. Mirrored men or not, I'm very glad that you took the time to call in your story, Ray. At the very least, it allowed us to contrast and compare sightings. 
Thanks again. And that's going to do it for this episode, but before I go, a few things that you're going to want to hear. I am very proud to announce a new t-shirt design for the show. This design was carefully created by a very talented artist named Julian Meyer from Cryptid Zoo. Julian really outdid himself with this. The design features not only the logo of the show, but three terrifying mirrored men staring back at you. I've also hooked up with Nick over at Night Animal Records to get these bad boys printed on ring-spun shirts, so no more of those boxy, heavy t-shirts. We're going to do this in style. I'm going to start off with a bit of a pre-order for these things, hoping to fulfill the orders by the end of the month. So head over to the shop portion of the website to place your order today. If this goes well, I'll consider expanding to other designs and items in the future. I still need reviews, so if you have a few minutes and you happen to love the show, please head over to your podcast app and submit a five-star rating and a few nice words about why you like the show. The more reviews I get, the more people find the show, and the more people that find the show, the more calls I receive, and, well, you see how it all works. While you're poking around on that phone, be sure to like and follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Links to all three accounts can be found on the show's webpage at monstersamonguspodcast.com. As always, I still need stories submitted. So if you're sitting on a good one, call the hotline at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. Or you can email me directly at monstersamonguspodcast at gmail.com. The hotline is totally free and open 24-7. Lastly, I want to thank the very talented Warren Pawn Abbott for his help with this and other episodes. Trust me when I say, without him, the show would not be half as fun as it is. Music from tonight's episode was provided by Mayu and Nature World 1986. Thank you all for listening, and until next week. <laughs>